Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Today is another Monday Motivation Podcast. Uh, today we're going to dive into behavior change. So how to change your behaviors, uh, how to create new habits, how to change your lifestyle, ultimately how to get ruthlessly consistent, right? That's the biggest struggle for the majority of people. It's getting consistent and it's changing your current habits and behaviors to create new ones to bring you better results and success. Um, and we're going to specifically talk about training and nutrition for the most part, and that, that's what this podcast is generally about. But I'm going to make a lot of different analogies, use examples, tell uh, stories and things like that about my own life and the coaching experience I've had with clients trying to change their behaviors over the last decade plus in this industry uh, and, and show you what has worked and what hasn't across the board. So we're, we might touch on business. We might touch on saving money. We might touch on uh, your relationships. We're going to touch a lot on your body. We might even touch on flossing your teeth more, right? Like the point is, is changing behaviors is changing behaviors and learning how to create behavior change in any area of your life with one simple thing and habit will translate to the other areas and it will allow you to reach new levels of success. Um, I believe this is one of the things that I've focused a lot on in my career, both from an education perspective of trying to learn the psychology behind the people I'm working with, uh, which is also something that a lot of coaches fail to focus on. And it's something at T Tailored Coaching Method, we actually work on quite a bit. In fact, we're all reading a specific book to, to dive deeper into the psychology right now. And, and that's something that we've always kind of worked on because at the end of the day, you know, you need to know the scientific principles of training and nutrition, but if you can't get somebody to create change, if you can't get somebody to comply, adhere, and stay consistent, then those scientific principles really don't fucking matter, to be honest with you. Like, you, you need to create change in somebody's behaviors in order for them to get consistent, and if they don't have consistency, they are not going to see results, period. So um, so today we're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about my experience of what I've learned, what I've used on clients over the years, over the last 10 years, what I've personally used and implemented into my own life, uh, and what has helped me uh, reach uh, an appreciable level of success. I, I, I do believe that in my world, my career, uh, we are fairly successful as a company, and, and we've created a lot of success stories. Um, and these principles are something that I'm constantly using with my clients, with my team, with my business, with the people listening to this podcast, with you, with my wife, uh, eventually with my daughter. You know, so so behavior change is behavior change, and we're going to dive into a lot of different categories with this to help you finally change your behaviors and get ruthlessly consistent 
to get where you want to be. Um, I'm excited about this one. I'm surprised I haven't talked about this on a podcast before. Before we jump into that, I do want to make a quick announcement, a quick shout out, because this podcast is brought to you by The Tailored Trainer, which is our training app that delivers world-class expert programming that's periodized over time so you can have daily workouts sent to you in an app form with the coolest fucking software in the world every single day, every single week, every single month for the rest of the year. Yes, programming will continue day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It is periodized and progressed that way. And it's so, we've, we've developed and, and put out so much programming ahead of time that the app is going to keep delivering programs. So you don't really just like stop your program and go, oh shit, my four-week program's done or my eight-week program's done or this ebook I bought, I finished it. Do I do it again? Do I continue doing it? Do I buy a new ebook that's completely different? And they don't necessarily mesh together. One of the reasons why I stopped writing ebooks, to be honest with you, I've got a lot of requests and, and I might make one on uh, the a specific program and the philosophy of that program more the, than anything just to educate people. But the truth is, is, is this app eliminates the need to buy a new ebook every month or every two months or whatever. And it, it gives you something that is constantly evolving. It implements deloads. It implements intensification phases. It implements peaking phases and it implements periodization that allows you to continue seeing success in a safe and productive manner. So I'm really excited about this. Um, in fact, I just looked at the app and uh, as a group, it's actually really cool. We can see like our total scores on certain things. And as a group in the Taylor Trainer, we have lifted 9 million pounds. 9 million pounds. And this isn't just a handful of savages lifting a ton of weight. This is just a large group of people crushing it in the gym. And we've burned 44, uh, no, 443,000 calories this month. Um, uh, because it's only been out for three or four weeks at the time I'm recording this. It's <laughs> just fucking crazy, but really, really cool. And, and that's one of the cool things about it too, is there's multiple forms of progressions tracked and shown to you inside the app. So it's not just, uh, okay, you did eight reps last week, do nine reps this week, or you did hundred pounds last week, do 105 pounds this week. It's, it's a combination of sets, reps, volume, load, all those things. Uh, and you can actually see your total tonnage, which is really helpful because if you're doing a program for long enough to progress and you're getting more advanced or you're getting stronger in a movement and you can't add five pounds, but you can maybe add a rep right here and there, we can track that and we can show you that like, Hey, this workout, you lifted 20,000 pounds or 30,000 pounds, which sounds like a lot, but for total tonnage, I mean, that happens. I've hit 30,000 pounds on multiple workouts so far. Um, and then next week, if I get 30,000 and a half, right, 30.5,000, or if I get 31,000 pounds ton total tonnage on my leg day, now all of a sudden I can be like, that's progression, right? And I didn't have to add a bunch of load and sacrifice my joint health. I just added a rep here and there, and it showed me that that's enough progress to make progress. And it, it makes you feel good about doing a little bit to get you a long way. So point being is the app is unbelievable. The software is unbelievable. The programming doesn't stop. It's expert programming by me after a decade of doing this stuff. I, I truly feel really good about my philosophy and my methods. Um, and, it's, and it's a way for you to try it for less than a dollar a day. So uh, if you want to learn more about it, you can head to tailoredtrainer.net, or you can just click the link in the description of this podcast and go directly to the form to sign up, get the app, start your membership and get training today. Now, without any further ado, let's get into this Monday motivation podcast about behavior change and finally getting consistent. One of the biggest causes of not seeing results uh, is the simple act of not getting started, right? Like people just don't get started. And uh, it's why they say, you know, the first step is the hardest step or, or getting started is the hardest part, you know, and, and it's a cliche saying because it's like somebody wants to make a change, somebody wants to do something, you're like, hey, getting started is the, the hardest part. Once you do that, you know, you're on a roll. <laughs> the, the first step of a thousand miles, a journey or whatever that like old Chinese proverb is, uh, it's really 
great proverb actually. But um, the point is, is, is the most important step is just taking action. It's the hardest step because it's change, right? And this is, and this relates to behavior change because that's why people don't create behavior change. That's why people don't break old habits. That's why people don't step out of their comfort zone and into discomfort to push into resistance and grow into new levels. Um, and it's, it is because that, that change is hard, right? Taking action is hard. And this goes, this is, this is for many reasons. Number one, it is difficult to step out of your comfort zone. And we know that, right? When you're used to something and you're comfortable in something, you're confident, uh, creating change is risking your comfort. And whether you realize it consciously or subconsciously, it's just a, a subconscious thing that's holding you back. That change is scary because you are risking comfort. You are risking safety in a way, right? In your subconscious mind, you are risking safety. So it's hard to take that first step. There's also the aspect of what happens if you win and what happens if you lose, right? So if you take action, let's say you get over the fact that this is going to be change. Okay. I'm going to have to step out of my norm. I get it. That's not the easiest thing, but I'm over that. I get it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take action. Let me think real quick. What's going to happen if I fail? Are people going to judge me? Am I going to judge myself? Am I, am I going to be afraid to ever take action on something again? Am I going to be embarrassed? Am I going to be worse off than I was before? Because what if I take action and I can't come back to my comfort zone at that point because I already let it go, right? There's all these things that go on in your mind, most of which are completely false stories and accusations against yourself. But point being, <laughs> they go through your head. And then there's the idea of what if I win? Well, that'll be cool because X, Y, Z, but will people judge me because I'm doing something more or I'm doing something better or I'm accomplishing what they couldn't? Will I have a higher level of responsibility? Because, you know, one of the things I always say to people is the hardest part about success is the, the responsibility to maintain it, right? Because now I've succeeded. Now people are watching and they know I got to sustain that. It's one of the reasons why weight loss is hard for people because if you do lose weight, there's nothing worse than gaining it back, right? So if you're, if you're in a place right now where you're 20, 30 pounds overweight and you're known as the chubby dude or the chubby gal in your group, right? You're, you just kind of play that role. And I say that with compassion and empathy because I was the chubby dude in my group my entire life, right? It actually wasn't until junior year of high school, I actually started slimming up a little bit uh, because I started getting really serious about soccer and skateboarding. And just naturally, by the time you're, you know, six, actually I was 15, 16. I graduated at 17 because I was young for my, my grade. But, you know, by the time you're 15 or 16 and you're looking at girls and you're like, okay, maybe I should trim up a little bit. Maybe I should stop eating candy and, and drinking Mountain Dew every day, right? It's pretty intuitive. Like, I'm just going to try to eat less or eat healthy. And you kind of start losing weight. And I'm starting to play soccer, so I'm burning more. I associated sweating more with burning more. And, and that's not what was causing me weight loss. But point being, I was, I was working out, right? Started losing a little bit of weight, and then boom, first knee injury, gained some weight back. Came back to soccer, tried to try to get at it again. Boom, senior year, tore my uh, my ACL after I tore my meniscus. The first year, I gained more weight. Graduated high school heavier than I've ever been. But nonetheless, I was always always a chubby kid. Never saw any muscle deficit. Never saw any abs. I was always the chubby kid. Even in the periods of times where I started to lean out a little bit and kind of catch up, I was always still the chubby kid. One, because that's what my friends knew me as, and two, that's what I was compared to them, where they were at. Um, so point being is if you're in that role, although it's not necessarily comfortable because you don't like being there and you're not confident with who you are in those shoes, again, I get it. If you try to lose weight and then you gain it back, let's say you win. Now you're not the chubby guy. Now you're like, fuck yeah, you got after it. You did it. And then you gain the weight back. Now what are they going to think? 
you're you're the you're the 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 return of chub you know and that's like a whole nother sense of pressure on you right or what if your friends look at you differently like i always thought about that what if i'm not the the funny chubby guy anymore i wonder if they're gonna look at me differently right none of which was true any of it and i lost weight and gained it back none of my friends gave a shit all my friends supported me especially once i openly told them like i'm really unhappy and i'm trying to lose weight that was the point where everybody was like okay that's why i always tell people Make sure you are open and honest with your circle because if you're not, they will peer pressure you into eating shit. I, I'll never forget. I was at BJ's uh, and we were just having a meal and it was like, you know, we were 18 years old and some of my friends were back from college or they're about to leave for college. We're just having a meal, hanging out, a bunch of dudes. Everybody's getting beer and burgers and I, and I go to order a salad and a Diet Coke and, and a couple of them started giving me shit. And I literally was like, look, guys, like I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. I'm really unhappy. Like, I, I just want to lose weight, period. Like, I'm, I'm just tired of being the chubby dude, and I'm going to try this, and, I, and I'd, I'd appreciate it if you didn't give me shit because it's already hard to do. I, don't, I would much rather have a beer. And all of them were like, damn, I'm sorry, bro. I get it. Dude, like, that's my bad. I did not mean to do that. We support you. And they never said a thing ever fucking again. And now, obviously, it's, it's like, wow, he took it <laughs> to the farthest level possible and made a career out of it. But my point being is that transparency and open and honesty, like, it, it shut that away. So before you try... Behavior change. You need to be transparent with the people around you. And I kind of just went on a little tangent, but the point is, is the, the hardest part is getting started because you have all these stories that go on in your head of what could happen, what people could say, what you could do, what if you lose it, what if you maintain it, what's the responsibility like, what's the risk of losing your comfort zone, everything. A lot here, right? The pain and pleasure on both ends of it, which we've talked about many times in the podcast. But before we can take action on getting started, uh, we do need to do a cost-benefit analysis, right? This is the easiest way to potentially skip the stages that we're going to go into in a sec and dive right into behavior change. Um, and, and after you try to eliminate those stories or you even run through those stories, which I'm going to kind of dive into here because there's five st- specific stages people go through before they can change a habit or behavior. Um, but before we can take that action, which I already said was the first hardest part, the biggest, the hardest, the first part that's most important, but the hardest part because of all those things I just explained, um, we need to do this cost to benefit analysis, right? What's the cost of staying where I'm at? And what's the cost of changing where I'm at, right? The cost of staying where I'm at is I'm unhappy, right? Wh- whoever you are listening to this and whatever habit is in your mind, again, like, like I mean, we could talk about anything here. You know, like, let's say that, you know, the habit of brushing your teeth is pretty fucking easy. Most of us do it, I hope. Uh, you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, a few minutes. At night before bed, you brush your teeth, a few minutes. If you're an overachiever, you brush your teeth after lunch, too. Um, I have a toothbrush at the office that I try to do that for because I'm always on camera and I'm worried there's going to be like a piece of spinach in my tooth or some shit. But um, point being is, is that's an easy habit. You know, you eat, you brush your teeth. You wake up, you brush your teeth. You, before you go to bed, you brush your teeth. Like, it's a habit, right? But... I'll be the first to admit, I fucking never floss my teeth. My wife is amazing. She flosses her teeth all the time. And then I like, I, I complain. I'm like, God, your teeth are so perfect. And she's like, well, floss your fucking teeth. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'm going to start flossing my teeth. And then I don't because I forget. But point being is the cost to benefit right there, right? So when I think of flossing my teeth, I'm like, oh, that's just more time. You know, I haven't done it in a while. So I don't really know the technique as crazy as I'm like, I don't really know how to floss my teeth super well. Like I try, I got those, if I get those little like stick things with a string on it, that looks kind of like a, like a tennis racket in a way. Like I can, like a, I can pick at it a little bit. That's easier. We don't have those right now. If I floss, my teeth are going to bleed because I haven't done it in weeks. Like that, that is the cost of doing it. Right. And what is the benefit? 
my dentist told me to. Like, honestly, I, I haven't really, like, I need to dive into it. I know it's because, like, you probably got some shit up there in some of the teeth, maybe, um, if you, especially if you have gaps in your teeth. I, I think it's healthier for your gums. Point being is I don't know enough to really know the benefits. If somebody asked me the benefits of flossing their teeth, I'd pause for a second and then make some, wild, some, some like, educated guesses. But those benefits aren't solid and concrete enough in my mind to afford the cost of spending more time and having gums that are bleeding. They're not right? And buying more floss and then spending more time and then digging in between my teeth, trying to figure out if I'm doing it right, letting my gums bleed. Now they're kind of sore. You know, do I do it before or after I brush my teeth? Like I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Not going to do it. Right. And that, I know that's, that's, it's an example that some of you guys are going to be like, ew, you're fucking gross. Like dude, floss your teeth. And some of you are going to let me laughing. Cause you're like, this guy just went on for five minutes about flossing his teeth and I get it. I do the same thing. So who knows who you are listening to this, but you might know what I'm talking about. Point is cost to benefit right? Uh, if we want to change our body, what's the cost of benefit? Well, the cost of not changing my body is that I don't need to make time to go to the gym. Uh, I can have beer whenever I want. Uh, I don't need to meal prep. Uh, there's less thought process. Um, there's less likelihood for craving. Like there's a lot of cost of going at it. You know, what's the benefit? Well, the benefit is, is I might like what I look like in the mirror better. Uh, if what I hear is true, I'll probably have more confidence and I'll have more energy because I'll be healthier and, and maybe I'll have a little pep in my step at work. Shit. Maybe that'll lead to a promotion and some networking opportunities. Uh, maybe I'll be more positive because I know there's some like serotonin and dopamine things that go on and endorphins that are released when I train and when I eat right, maybe that'll rub off on my daughter and my wife. Maybe I'll look so good. My wife starts looking at me different, you know, and wants to, I'm not going to say it alive, but you know, a little bit more often. So now we go in through all these things and we're like, okay, well, the cost kind of sucks. I got to spend more time. I got to think about this. I got to prep meals, but the benefits aren't looking too bad. I mean, shit, if it gets me a promotion, I'll just pay somebody to send me meals. I'll get a meal prep service, you know, but if my wife likes me more, I'm more positive around my family. I raise my daughter better. I have more energy. I get a raise. I got a pep in my step. I feel more confident. Shit, I want to take my shirt off more often. Those benefits outweigh the cost, right? The point of that is, is nobody that I know, I shouldn't say nobody. Very rarely do people that I know sit down like I just did and really, really go through the cost to benefit of, of what we're talking about here. What's the thing you're after? Is it flossing your teeth? Is it getting a promotion? Is it building your business? Is it hiring a coach? Is it changing your physique? What is it? Is it learning a new skill? Right? I mean, shit. <laughs> I just did this with guitar. When I first started, it was like, okay, what's the cost of benefit? Okay, the cost is, one, I got to buy an acoustic guitar because the only one I have is electric, and the electric just doesn't sound cool unless the amp's in, and the amp is going to wake the whole house up uh, or piss off my neighbor if I bring to work, so I can't do that. So I got to buy a guitar. That's step one. Um, I got to sign up for some kind of lessons. Otherwise, I'm just shooting in the dark, and I won't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, I got to spend time doing it. So, you know, at least, what, 30 minutes a day? Like, at least, if not more, or maybe I do a couple hours once a week, like, what do I do here? I got to, now I got to do some research, right? So I start going through all these costs. What's the benefit? Well, the benefit is I'll have a new skill. Uh, the benefit is I'll be more attached to music. I'm a huge music fan. So being able to relate to the musicians actually doing the work is, is a really cool feeling. Um, I'll be able to play my daughter a song. That'll be fucking cool. You know, maybe I'll learn some like fucking Toy Story song and sing You Got a Friend of Me to her and, and she'll love that. Like, that'll be so cool you know, or something from Frozen. She would love that. I already sing it with her. Why not be able to play it too, right? So the benefits were like, oh yeah, that way outweighs the cost. Now, we had some things come up in our business. Uh, I had some things come up in my personal life. I moved. Uh, there was a lot of things going on and my time 
window of, of, of free time shrank on me real quick. And so I had to do this again. Like, okay, what's the cost of benefit? Do I skip out on these things that kind of feel mandatory so I can try to learn this guitar better? And the answer was no, because the cost of benefit in the reverse didn't make sense. So I had to take a break from guitar. Now things are finally starting to calm down. We're finally settled in the house. Like things are easier to manage. Stress is getting lower. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to return to guitar. I already have like a, a plan for how I'm going to do it, where I'm going to do it. Uh, we finally got a couch down in our basement for my daughter's playroom. That's where I'm going to go because nobody can hear me playing horrible music from the basement. Uh, so I have a plan now, right? And now I can weigh out the cost of benefit. When am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? Do I have time? And the answer is yes. So very soon I'm going to pick it back up. So I took a, a month hiatus and now I'm going to get back to it, right? Point being, not very many people do the cost of benefit analysis and you should be doing it on everything you do. Anything you're going to go get after. Anything that you know you have to step out of your comfort zone to start, you need to do the cost to benefit analysis because that's the only way that you are going to create awareness of that change that needs to happen, which is one of the fundamental steps to creating behavior change. Now, before I ramble on too far, we're going to go into five specific stages people go through before a behavior can change or can be changed. And uh, this is not created by me. I did not create this. This is from research on uh, behavior change, lifestyle change, motivational interviewing, things like that. So this is from researchers. This is literally, I'm like, some of this I'm literally quoting. So this first part, like I'm literally quoting. So this is not me. This is based on research, which gives you, which I'm saying this for two reasons. Number one, I didn't make this shit up. Number two, I'm stealing this from somebody else. That's totally fine. Number three, it's based on actual scientific research on human beings, which is important because it's proof this shit is real, this shit works. The first stage people go through is pre-contemplation. And this is the stage at which there is no intention to change behavior in the foreseeable future. Many individuals in this stage are unaware or underaware of their problems. Some people call this phase denial, right? And this is where... This is sad, but I know somebody uh, who had a, a, an elder loved one who did not believe in COVID, and he's no longer with us, right? And that's a very, very serious thing, but that's denial. That is pre-contemplation. That is, that is somebody who is unaware, underaware, or completely in denial that anything is reality. Now, there was other health complications along with this, um, but it got exacerbated because of COVID. And, and maybe if, if, if this person was more accepting of what was going on in the world, then maybe they could have saved his life, you know? And, and this, this example, I've actually, I know more than one person who has a family or a friend or a relative or knows somebody who, who has a family, friend, or relative who went through this exact same thing, right? So the point is, is pre-contemplation is this stage where individuals are unaware, under-aware of their problems, or they are in denial of their problems, most of the time, it's unaware or underaware because if you create awareness or you get them over aware and create clarity on what's going on and show them the reality, the logistical side of it, then they, they get out of denial, right? They can't deny what is a fact. That's the whole point here. Um, this, the, I mean, the examples of this are endless, right? Like uh, somebody, somebody is uh, overweight and uh, they feel fine right? Like <laughs> I know a couple of people that went through this too. Like I, I, I know specific people, obviously I'm not saying any names on this podcast, but I know specific people who went through the same thing of like, yeah, I'm heavier set, but I feel fucking great. I got energy. I sleep good. You know, my, my sex drives up. Like I feel good. 
Then they go to the doctor and the doctor's like, hey, like you got some health issues, man, internally. Like we need to make some changes or these are going to get bad. That person was unaware of the problems that they were experiencing. They weren't in denial. They just were unaware because they felt good. Maybe they were under aware. But once a doctor came to them and showed them the logistical side of it, like, hey, this is the facts. Here, here's what's going on. Now, all of a sudden, they go, I can't deny what's true, right? So, so part of this pre-contemplation phase is learning, right? A lot of times, you need a coach. You need a specialist. The problem with people in the pre-contemplation phase, uh, there's two problems. Number one, if they are in denial or if they are so unaware that there is a problem, they may never get in front of somebody who can point out the problem that exists, right? Um, the other problem is they're less accepting or responsive to the advice of a, of a professional who calls this out and tries to educate them so that they can create awareness around it. But if you're in this pre-contemplation phase, at the end of the day, you need proof or you need education. It's the only way to become overly aware of your problem and get out of denial. And I'm going to use one more example that is uh, a fucked up one. And I'm almost ashamed to, to say this publicly, but I will because there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening. I think you can take something from this. Um, you know, I, I'm a great father. I, I do feel confident in that. I, when we first had my daughter, I struggled with trying to figure out what kind of dad I was supposed to be. And it wasn't until I just started being me and I started really using my fatherly intuition, what I've learned from my father that I love, what I learned from my father that I didn't love, what I learned from other fathers that I loved and didn't love, and just started doing what I felt was right, that I really tapped into to my father ability. And I started becoming a really good father, you know, and, and, and my wife will tell me and my, my daughter loves me. We have a really, really close bond. Um, and most parents probably say the same exact thing, but there's just this crazy deep connection between me and my daughter. I know there's like a daddy daughter thing that a lot of people experience. And I truly believe we have that, but that's also why this hurts so bad. But there was a moment where, you know, like I've always, I've said openly on the podcast and to people like I struggle with being present in balance, right? My brain, I'm an entrepreneur. My brain doesn't turn off. Everything is go, go, go. Everything is productivity. Everything is grow personal development, like how are we getting better? And sometimes that's a, it's a gift and a curse, right? It, it allows me to push, but it's sometimes hard to turn off, right? When I go home, it's like, how do I turn this, this lever off, right? I got to get rid of my phone. I got to like, I, I got to meditate before I go inside. Like I got to do something. And I do, I usually have some kind of shift, but there are days where I forget or I don't. And I was in my daughter's toy room and we're playing. Um, and she's, she's able to talk now, right? This isn't long ago, but I, I had to check my phone and um, she was doing her own thing, right? She's, she's self-sufficient. She's playing with her frozen dolls, doing her thing, whatever. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to, I'm going to check this real quick. Cause I got to get back to this person. And I get like a minute, two minutes in and she's standing in front of me and she said, put it away. Like in her language, it's like, put away daddy. Like she doesn't, didn't say the full sentence, but it was enough for me to be like, holy shit. You know, this isn't my wife telling me, Hey, be present, Cody. This isn't like my friend being like, yo dude, like I'm right here. Like, you know, like. This is my daughter trying to play. I've been at work all day. I just get home, I take her to the toy room, and we're trying to play, and she does that. Oh, my God. It crushed me. But that gave me the awareness that I needed. It gave me the logistical evidence and education of, like, stop fucking doing this, dude. Because, you know, it's like when, when you try to give your wife or husband advice, and they're like, okay, and then somebody else gives them the advice, and they're like, man, that's a great fucking idea. Why? Because your wife's with you all the time. Your husband's with you all the time. Your parents are with you all the time. 
But when when you see it, it changes. And and that hit me really hard. And I've been so much better ever since. I was already better than I used to be. Like I've I've been really good about this. But there's times where I slip up. And now that she can talk and she can say it and she can see it, man, fuck, kills me. But that's pre-contemplation. I was in pre-contemplation. I was, I was, you know, uh, I didn't really have an intention to change where I was. I did, you go through waves of this too. And, and the, if you look through the research and the people who explain the research, they talk about this. All these stages go in waves. So I was in pre-contemplation. Then I realized what I was doing. And then I got really present and way better about it. Um, but every once in a while things trickle in, you know, people slip up, you know, I meditate every day, quote unquote, until you miss a day of meditation and it happens, it happens in waves. But this was that thing. Like I had to go back into pre-contemplation. I wasn't ready to a change. I wasn't, I didn't have any intention to get better because I didn't think that I was doing anything wrong or I wasn't doing things a hundred percent my ability. And then my daughter called me out and I was like, fuck, I'm at 90% right now, but I could be a hundred percent really, really fucking easy. I just leave my phone out. So Pre-contemplation is a stage at which there is no intention to change behavior in the foreseeable future. Many individuals in this stage are unaware or underaware of their problems. Some people call this denial. The next stage is contemplation, which is the stage in which people are aware that a problem exists and are seriously thinking about overcoming it, but have not yet made a commitment to take action. A lot of people in this stage can be described as uh, ambivalent. Um, they want to improve their blood sugar, for example, and they are not ready to cut out eating carbs and eating sweets. They want to lose weight, but they're not ready to track macros. They want to improve their cardio. They want to train. They want to build muscle, but they're not ready to do the work. They, they want to start personally developing, but they're not ready to commit to journaling and meditation and reading a book every day, like simple habits, but they're not ready to do that. They're in contemplation. They want the result, but they're not ready to do the work. Plain and simple, right? Um, and this is, and this is, and it, and it, there's two sides of it. Contemplation, the main thing is you know that something needs to change. You know that you can improve. You know that there's a problem here. Um, but you either A, know what to do to change it and are not ready to take action on it. You don't want to do the, the work that it takes to change it. Or you don't know how to change it right? And, and the not knowing how to change it is hard. Like even, and even if it's don't know how yet with my daughter, that example, I saw that and immediately was like, I need to change right at the moment. Do not disturb phone in the pocket, zip the pocket. That's all. Later on, I had to come back to this situation and go, okay, how do I change this? Right? The, obviously what I was doing was working enough, but not a hundred percent. So what do I need to do? Do I put my phone in the drawer when I get home? Do I leave it upstairs? Do What do I do? Like, do I put it on airplane mode? You know, like, you can figure out things. Do I block the apps on my phone? Like, there's certain things you can do. Um, what I ended up doing is blocking the apps on my phone because if I'm in the basement, my, my wife texts me or calls me to come upstairs for dinner or if my parents have an emergency, I want my phone to ring. I don't want to be completely off. Uh, but there's a thing that you can block apps on your phone. So I can block fucking email. I can block Instagram. I can block Facebook. I can block YouTube. I can block whatever I want. And I just won't be able to open those applications on my phone. So that's what I did. Right. Um, but before that was contemplation, which is the stage again, I knew that there was a problem and I wanted to overcome it, but I haven't made a commitment to take action on anything because I didn't know what to take action. On. I didn't know how I was going to approach it. Some people just don't want to do the work. We've all been there right? They want to lose weight and they're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm not, I don't want to track macros. And I'm like, well, well, how are you going to know you're, you're making progress? And I'm like, well, can I just eat intuitively? I'm like, I mean, yeah, but where is intuitive eating got you so far? Well, I'm overweight. Okay. 
<laughs> intuitively that's not working so well, right? Now we have to educate you like, hey, like you're, you really want this thing. You know a problem exists, you're overweight, you know you're unhealthy, and you want to overcome it and, and be in a happier place. We need to create commitment to take action on tracking macros temporarily to get you where you want to be because that gives us the data to get you to lose weight. So now it's about showing you how cool that result will be when you get there and how easy and simple and temporary tracking macros can be to get, get you there. It's the path to get you there. Uh, but you're in contemplation. Like you know there's a problem. You just want to change it. Right. So for this stage, the most important thing for people is to build awareness. Right. And there's two things to really get over all this. And I'm going to break that down at the very end and kind of cap it out at that. But for contemplation, once again, okay, you know, there's a problem. So building awareness with you is even easier than it was in the pre-contemplation phase, because the pre-contemplation phase, you're unaware that there's even a problem. Now you're in contemplation. You know, there's a fucking problem. Let me educate you on what that problem is, why it is a problem, how you got this problem, and exactly what it looks like to fix this problem step by step and how easy that can actually be, right? Because understanding how to fix it allows you more confidence in taking action, which is the answer to getting the solution to getting over what you were going through, what this problem is, and that's contemplation. The next stage, number three, is the preparation stage. Uh, and it can be considered the information gathering and planning stage, kind of what I'm already talking about, right? The, the preparation stage is the most important by far. 50% of the people who attempt behavior change and skip this stage will relapse within 21 days, according to uh, a book called Changing for Good by a guy, a guy or gal named Prochaska. Uh, not sure if I pronounced that right, but Changing for Good. Um, but they will relapse within 21 days, which is crazy. 50% of people who attempt behavior change, if they skip the preparation stage, which which means before you lose weight, let's do some research. Before you hire a coach, let's do some research. Before you track macros, let's learn about macros. Before you start training, let's learn about the different types of training and what you need to do to train most optimally and progress in the gym. The preparation stage is exactly what I was talking about in order to get over pre-contemplation and contemplation, right? It, it is the answer because it prepares you for what you're about to do. It allows you to be more consistent, which is why you won't relapse after 21 days of trying to change this habit. And it is the answer to giving you a roadmap. So even if you're going to hire a coach, like you hire us and we're going to outline everything from A to Z for you. So you don't even really have to think, but you should have done enough preparation to feel confident stepping into this situation with us. And if you didn't, you should be upfront with us when you, when you hire us so we can prepare you and we can teach you before we give you your nutrition prescription, right? Step four is action, obviously. Action is the stage in which individuals modify their behavior experiences or environment in order to overcome their problems. Action involves the most overt behavior change, uh, changes and requires considerable amount of commitment uh, of time and energy. During the action stage, one implements the plans developed and information gathered in the preparation phase. So this is essentially going through that preparation phase by yourself and with a coach and then taking action on it, right? We, we've become aware of what the problem is. We know we need to change. We prepared for what it takes to create that change and, and educated ourselves on what that change looks like and where it will get us. And then we simply take action, we prepared, we laid it out, we got the steps, you hired a coach, the coach told you what's going to happen, told, told you and educated you on every single thing that will pan out as you do this, they should have if it's a good coach, our coaches do, <laughs> it's a shameless plug, and, uh, and now we're taking action on the steps laid out by yourself or the coach, right? So action is the stage which you modify the behavior, this is the most important thing. I know I said that the preparation is, 
And I would still say the preparation is the most important step because without preparation, the action doesn't last long term. It's not sustainable. You don't really understand or have clarity on what it takes to consistently follow and take action. Um, But action is fundamental because without action, there is no change, right? Preparation allows you to take action, which means it's the most important step that allows you to take the most important step, if that makes sense. But action is the process of actually modifying the behavior, right? So you, you became aware of what's going on. You understood what the process was. You did your research to figure out what to change and how to change it. And then you took action on actually changing it. And the last stage is maintenance. And maintenance is the stage in which people work to prevent relapse and consolidate the gains attained during action. For a, a, addictive behaviors, this stage extends from six months to a uh, period of past the initial action, essentially like a, a long period of time after the uh, initial action. So action is, is taking action and seeing change. And I would say that even throughout your whole like if you're going at this from a fat loss perspective, preparation might be a week, right? Preparation might be just just looking at coaches, reading content, listening to podcasts, figuring out who you want to work with, hiring the coach, talking to the coach, going over things with the coach, and then action is implementing the plan and the 12-week fat loss phase that follows because that's what you committed to for the weight loss goal that you have, for example. Maintenance is the reverse diet, recovering, finding maintenance, maybe shifting it into intuitive eating and just having accountability to keep it going, right? It's a stage which people work to prevent relapse. They prevent regain. They prevent rebounding or going back to their old ways. And they consolidate the the results that they've got and attained during the action phase into a, a plan that can consistently be done over six plus months of time, really for good, right? If you go through a fat loss journey and you have a, and this is funny because this is one of the reasons why we created our three-phase fat loss model, which is going to be priming the individual, progressing the individual, preparation, action, and then recovering the individual, maintenance. And during the preparation, action, and uh, maintenance phase, or for our uh, case in, in TCM, the priming, the progressive, and the recovery phase, throughout those processes, we are constantly in education mode. We are constantly educating and teaching the client what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, what the process is throughout the process, right? So when they get done with that maintenance phase, right, when they get done with the action phase and they're in the maintenance phase and they're going to be done with our coaching, whether it's in three months, six months, 12 months, whatever, we've taught them enough to where they leave this phase and they go, hey, man, I'm going to maintain my results and I might do another gaining phase and then I might do a cut and then I might just do a strength block and then I might do a period of time where I just be intuitive. But you gave me the tools, you prepared me, you took action with me, and then you helped me maintain. And now I have the education to consistently sustain this over time, right? And that's literally the process of behavior change. The stages are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. And those are broken down from research on behavior change, but they're also implemented into great coaching. And that's how we educate people to hold on to their results for the rest of their life. And, and essentially, if we boil down everything I just talked about into three principles of, of getting over it, getting over these, this, this, this pre-contemplation, right? Getting over the fact that you can't create these behavior changes and finally get consistent, it's consciousness raising, right? This is simply becoming more aware, mindful or conscious of the current situation, right? Like, what do you need to change? Become aware and accept that it needs to change. And then before deciding you will or how you will, change it right? You start changing it. You figure out a plan. You become aware. Consciousness raising is just building awareness and acceptance around what is. 
not right and, and what is okay and then changing it. Self-reevaluation is the process of putting yourself in the change, right? Visualization for that change. What will life be like once you actually experience this change? How will you view yourself? How will your environment change due to this change if it does? What will the reactions of others be like if you create this change, if you're successful, right? Going through this evaluation and this self-reevaluation to visualize all the different outcomes, all the different potentials, all the different potential roadblocks, all the different successes, everything that could happen. And then last but not least, it's, it's the maintenance of action. Simply doing the work. What do you need to adjust and adapt in your life in order for you to stay consistent? What does your daily, weekly, and monthly routine look like now, if it's any different, right? You have to look at the maintenance of this plan. What does it look like to maintain it? And all three of these really are, they're, they're visualization. It's visualizing the change, visualizing what needs to change, then visualizing the action of change, and then visualizing the maintenance of change. So you are so aware and ready that you can't not fail. So I'm really passionate about this, this topic, guys, because I think the, the missing link inside of coaching today is this. I think it's the psychology behind how clients and coaches operate. I think it's the science behind how clients think and what makes them stay consistent and adhere to the plan. Um, so I hope today the coaches listening got a lot out of this to, to make you a better coach. I hope the clients listening got a lot out of this to just change your life. Um, and as always, guys, I appreciate you listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please do me a huge favor. Take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram story. I would love to thank you for listening and share it on my story. I always appreciate uh, you spreading the message and getting more people to listen to this free podcast so we can change more and more lives around the world.